Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley, in partnership with Leomitech, sponsored by Homeward Ventures, Hippo Insurance, Upwest Labs, Synergy Global, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, Birthright Excel, Serona Partners, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. This is no 20 Minute Leaders ordinary episode. Today we're going to be having a panel with some of the most amazing thinkers that sit on boards of companies. We're going to be talking about communication. We're going to be talking about veto rights. We're going to be talking about transparency. Welcome to more Arbel Sadras, Liat Aronson, Yoel Benjamin, and Imrod Vroman. Please take the stage. Welcome, everyone. This is so exciting. This is actually the first time that we're hosting a panel of this sort uh, here on the show. And, and I'm incredibly honored uh, to have all of you here. It's a, it's a really special you know, a, event for me to, to get to know the insights from four incredible, incredible thinkers and doers in the ecosystem here. And today we're going to be talking about different sides of venture capital than we often talk about. A lot of the times we talk about how to raise capital and the different struggles of you know, reaching product market fit. But this is not the conversation. This conversation is about how do startups interact with the venture capitalists, with, with board members. And we have here Yael Benjamin, Liat Awanson, Nimrod Roman, and Timor Arbel Sadras, all with uniquely different perspectives, some from research, some from board members, some from the entrepreneurial field. And so we're going to have a great time uh, getting to know each other and, and having some fun conversations. And let's just quickly do a round uh, getting to know all of you. Liat, who are you? Who am I? Well, I'm chairman of the Zell Entrepreneurship Program at Eichmann University, something I've been doing for a long time, uh, for the last uh, seven years and 10 years before that as executive director. And I'm also a co-founder and the COO of a blockchain startup called Horizon Labs. Incredible. Nimrod. Um, well, I've been working with entrepreneurs from the ideation phase through to the exit or wherever they get to, building big companies, historically as a corporate lawyer, and recently as a business consultant through a consulting arm of our firm called Conciliary. Amazing. Timo? Yeah, so I am uh, uh, the CEO of uh, Lumitech, the high-tech arm of uh, Lumibank. Uh, very recent in my, uh, in my current job, and before that, I was uh, for many years uh, a managing partner at Viola Credit, which is a venture lending arm of uh, fund of uh, Viola Group. And after working for so many years with CEOs and CFOs in uh, growth uh, revenue stage uh, startups, I thought I knew something about startups. And then I jumped into uh, into a startup myself, being a COO of a fintech startup called Eversy. And then I learned uh, how much I didn't know. Uh, so I, I came to Lumitech uh, both with the experience of being a, a fund manager and a board member, uh, plus an executive in a, in a startup uh, company. Beautiful. And Yael, welcome. Hi. Hi, thank you. So I'm the founder of Startup Snapshot. It's a data sharing platform for the startup ecosystem. And we just did our fourth report which is based on uh, data from 300 founders and board members around kind of the CEO board dynamic. 
Well, this is what we're here to talk about. And we have some fascinating topics to uncover from, from veto power in, in boards and transparency between startups and the board itself and the communication of how do we create this transparency and then, and then communicate thoughtfully throughout the journey. Yale, Startup Snapshot, an incredible project looking at the ecosystem from a bird's eye view. I've been following it so closely and enjoying the insights so much. Tell me a little bit about the project and some of the, the high-level insights that you've uncovered. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's a project I started working on about two years ago, and kind of our whole goal is to increase transparency in the ecosystem. So what we're doing is we're collecting a lot of data from founders. Um, we collected to date over, uh, I think, from 1,100 founders, and we share the insights with the entire community so that everyone can kind of benefit from this experience and knowledge um, that we have in the ecosystem. And the past couple of months, we wanted to really uncover insights on the board, what happens behind the closed doors of the boardroom. And today, it's really interesting, you know, today this topic is super important with the, you know, the growing size of the early stage rounds. So before you would have maybe two small angel investors on your board and you can have some kind of a, you know, informal ad hoc discussion, meet in a cafe every once in a while, update them. But now these same founders are raising tens of millions of dollars and they have large international funds on their board. And they're Fortunately, unfortunately, you know, there's new kind of opportunities, but they're also meeting new challenges. So that's kind of what we wanted to research the past couple of months. And we collected data from 300 founders and their investors. And I'll just give a couple of like, you know, small tidbits that were really interesting here. So the number one thing was around communication. Kind of how do you manage this ongoing um, strategic communication with board members? And it's really interesting, 61% of CEOs reported they're not fully transparent with their board. So what are they doing? They're, they're sugarcoating difficulties. They're waiting to report certain challenges, maybe trying to find a solution before reporting the actual uh, roadblock or challenge. And it's creating a lot of challenges. So um, I think 36% of, of startups reported that they have a challenging board member. Uh, it's creating a lot of arguments, pushback, vetoes, unfortunately, 28% reported that a board member has vetoed a decision. So board members are really, you know, taking larger risk. They're pouring larger funds into earlier stage companies, but they're also asserting, you know, asserting their control through vetoes. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, um, you know, due to the lack of transparency, startups aren't able to maximize the value from their board members. So uh, board members overestimated the value they provide by around 20%. So without kind of being open, without communicating in a really transparent way, without saying, this is my challenge, this is the help I need from you, unfortunately, startups aren't leveraging this amazing asset that they have at their fingertips. Amazing. Uh, and, and I can already see Liat, Nimrod, and Timor uh, nodding their heads in agreement as, as we're, we're touching the different topics that they're going to be talking about. Nimrod, tell me a little bit about you know, the weapon of mass destruction in one of the weapons of mass destructions and perhaps in a startup life or, you know, in, in difficult moments in which a veto may be exposed. What, what, what is the veto? And, and you know, and, and think in general, yeah, what you were talking about, you know, a lot of these things, I feel as somebody from the ecosystem, we don't talk about enough at all. And so I'm so excited to dive deep into these conversations with you. Nimrod, tell me a little bit about vetoes. Okay. Well, first of all, I, I, I sort of coined the phrase that, you know, the exercising of a veto right is a weapon of mass destruction or the use of a weapon of mass destruction, which is, but I said, it I mean, you know, you, you said it first and mm -hmm. I, I, I slightly regret, you know, introducing it as a term 
but because um, it's a little bit more extreme, but it gets, you know, it's like a good uh, clickbait when you, when you say it. But let, let's start with the academics. First of all, to understand what a veto right is, you sort of need to think about how decisions are made in a company. Decisions are made in a company in three layers. First of all, on a daily basis, executives and managers make decisions about their domain, and they don't always consult upwards. Um, and sometimes they consult with a CEO, and that's another type of executive or manager. Um, within that domain, the individual makes the decision, and there's no real corporate law around that. Then there are another two organs that make decisions in a company, the board of directors and the shareholders. The shareholders are the sort of like the highest organ, and they make decisions that are capitalistic in nature and are sort of in line with their own interests. And the board is a bunch of people elected by the shareholders, sometimes members represent investors, and sometimes members represent management or founders. And that organ has to make decisions in the interests of the company. That's the default. They can't focus on their own personal interests by default, by default. Now, in those two organs, the shareholders and the board, the default is that decisions are made by a majority. So if 51% of the shares or 50% plus of the shares approved something, anything, most corporate laws will support that that decision will pass by the company, by that organ, most corporate laws. If a board of, let's say, five people had something you know, on the agenda and three members of that board, because board members normally vote one vote per person and not reflective of shareholdings, again, there are exceptions to this rule, but let's talk about startups and they, how they behave, then three people in that five-person board could approve the decision. The veto right is the ability of one or two individuals in the board, obviously the investor-appointed directors, to say, well, despite the fact that you got three people out of five, we're still blocking this thing. Or at shareholder level, it's the ability of a certain um, group of shareholders, normally the holders of preferred shares, the investors, to say, well, despite the fact that you lobbied the approval for this decision, let's say a financing round, right, of 50% plus of the shareholders, we're still blocking this because we are allowed to block this pursuant to the um, documents that were signed when we invested in the company. So it's, it creates this dynamic where basically, bottom line, the CEO has a list of decisions that he or she know that they cannot pass without their investor support. Now, let's sort of stray from there for a moment. In startups that work well, all decisions are approved by 100% of the board members. I, very rarely have I seen people vote against in startups that work well. Really? Right? Yeah, because, because it, it, it becomes a, a, um, a due diligence problem. If I show the next investor that people are voting against different decisions, whether or not there are vetoes, it becomes an issue for the company and in future investment rounds. Leah, so, do you agree that this is a form of weakness that we may have uh, board members who sometimes may be voting against some some decisions? Yeah, no. In my experience in boards, I actually I'm I'm fascinated by everything that Nimrod just said because I've been on uh, many boards and I've actually never seen any of that dynamic um, at play at all. So I can't opine on it. Well, you mean that you haven't seen uh, decisions unanimously approved? 
No, I haven't seen the veto of the the weapon of mass destructive used. No, of course. The, no, we're, we're in total agreement. What I was saying was that, in my experience, normally decisions are approved unanimously. Everybody supports them. There's good communication between the board members and people support them. However, the report shows that 28% of managers have experienced board members that have arrived at a decision and said, no, we're, vo- we're voting against and we're exercising our veto right. And frankly, I was so surprised by that as well that that's why I said, well, that's a weapon of mass destruction. That shows that, that someone wasn't ready for a discussion and that an investor decided to block them, decided to well, block them. And that's what I was going to say, because from my experience, it's not that everyone communicates so well, certainly not on a board meeting level, but what ends up happening is that there's, there's communication before, there's communication during, there's communication from the different levels that you spoke about. So um, by the time that something comes up, there's some consensus built around it. And so I haven't seen uh, decisions that where someone comes and, and flatly says no in a board decision, but I have definitely seen, um, I, can, I can completely relate to the, um, to the statistic that talks about a, um, a kind of a problematic board member or someone that comes in and either, you know, kind of makes the meeting a little bit more aggressive or more contentious. So it's not about the voting, it's more about kind of the management of the meeting itself and, and maybe a lot of the back end and kind of back channeling that goes around that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I fully agree. This is where the report, I think, was included a very important insight. I've personally witnessed many boards that included challenging board members, but then when management understood that a decision that they were about to pass wasn't going to pass unanimously, they decided not to really bring it for approval so that it didn't you know, put the company in a situation where it disapproved. And now let, let's be very practical for a moment because you know, this is the topic that I thought I was going to elaborate on. In the board, a decision like that, let's put aside a financing transaction or an exit, which is mostly what founders dream about. Let's say the hiring of an executive which requires the grant of a certain number of options, and the number of options seems high to the board members represented by the investor. And then there's a challenge around that, or a budget approval. Um, If in 28% of companies, clearly not the companies that we've been involved in, um, they got to a point where somebody said, no, this is not approved, and sort of sent the CEO back to the hire, to the executive, and to tell them, well, you didn't get your options, too bad. Or, or, or disapprove the budget, those situations are extreme. What they show is that either the CEO pushed too hard to pass the item on the agenda um, without having prepared all of their board members first for the discussion beforehand, which is a critical you know, uh, piece in the process. But it also shows that there was an investor who was cavalier enough to say, I don't care what this shows in due diligence. I'm going to still stamp the the no on this. This is going to show that I didn't support management. So which is a, I, I think that raises an interesting question. It's, it's interesting for me to see what you think about it. Whose responsibility is it to prevent vetoes? Is it more on the side of the entrepreneur that has to communicate ahead of time, has to decide ahead of time what they're going to bring up for approval, or on the side of the investor that obviously wants um, future funding rounds to go well? Well, I, 
Sorry, go ahead, Timor. Sorry, I think at the end of the day, this is the this is the, the job of the CEO. Hundred percent to bring yeah to work with the board members or even to manage uh, the board uh, in 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 a way that doesn't bring uh, issues to the point where decisions need to be taken. So that would require you know one on ones. That would require. Uh, non-formal board discussions in order to, uh, you know, to get into compromises or agreements or to work like in Imrod's uh, example about uh, budget. So to work uh, together non-formally on the budget until we get to a, a, um, a solution that everybody's in agreement with. I think that getting into a situation of veto or uh, board members that object to decisions is really bad to the company. Well, we're gonna um, we're gonna leave the conversation here, and I'm sorry, Nimrod, but we have we have to move on to to the other topics. But we have already another panel scheduled, and you're get, and we're gonna have to revisit this conversation. Uh, and I think this is a perfect segue, Timor, to to talking about you know this the, this idea of the, of managing the board and being able to communicate well. And, and the discussion of communication has to start with this idea of transparency and this idea of how do we actually instead of you no. Know, the, the foundation of managing the board is first to be able to get the board to understand what's happening and to be able to be open and authentic about what's going on in the status. Liat, what has been your experience or and your observations with the way that entrepreneurs make the shift from wooing the investor to now you know, working with them as a partner? Yeah, it's a great segue actually to the other topic as well, because it's um, I agree with Timur that it's 100% um, the CEO's job to manage this situation. What I think happens after a founding round is that there's a psychology where the entrepreneur that was so busy um, in a sales mode trying to, you know, put the best face forward, the, you know, lipstick on the gorilla and making it look really, really, really pretty, uh, making sure no one's looking under the hood. Um, and then all of a sudden, once the investors once once the investments made, and I've literally um, seen an investor tell an entrepreneur, um, like, "Dude, I'm already invested. I'm in this now. So go ahead and you know open the hood. <laughs> it's okay. I'm in." And I think what happens is that shift. It's an it's an amazing opportunity. Not everyone's able to do it, but the amazing opportunity is for an entrepreneur to take from sales mode to now I have this asset, this this op, this kind of opportunity for an asset to be able to use the wisdom, the experience, the connections, everything that the investor is bringing in, in order to actually share the real problems and, you know, voice the real concerns and, and, and kind of going back to the other discussion, I've seen boards that are managed by a CEO and I've seen boards that are managed by the investors and clearly... Being managed by the CEO is the right way to go. And a CEO that really appreciates that and is able to be transparent, do the communications with each investor ahead of the board meeting and manage the board meeting through that transparency and actually being able to use that incredible resource. I love that. I love that. Nimrod, Timor, thoughts on this idea of being able to make that shift from personal experiences or observations? I think that it's important to to remember, like for for CEOs and CFOs and entrepreneurs, uh, to to try and imagine the situation from the uh, um, from the viewpoint of the investor, because 
it's important to, to, to realize that VC is not a scalable uh, business, right? Because each uh, partner has a certain amount of uh, companies that they can be involved with. And so imagine a board member that, that sits like on, on boards of eight companies. And unlike the executives in the company and entrepreneurs that, you know, they live day by day, the reality of the, of the company and the challenges and the wins and the successes and the losses, uh, the board member pops in once every while. It can be once a week, once a month, once a quarter, depends on the, on the company. And they need to, to help the company to make the right decision or even maybe only to ask the right questions. And for them to be able to do that and to really uh, help the company with their uh, experience and abilities, they need to be able to quickly uh, understand the situation and the challenges that the, the company faces. And one of the uh, ways we talked about transparency, so this is one uh, way of doing that. And the other way is to use the language that the board member can easily understand. So if and there are some standards, we see, you know, the standard um, uh, financial uh, uh, terms or um, uh, or indicators. Like, for, for example, it's very it's very uh, popular for SaaS companies, right? There are the standards uh, metrics that people are looking at. If you're using the standard uh, the standard terms. And the started and the standard uh, KPIs. It's much easier for a board member to get to grasp the reality, the challenges, the opportunities very, very quickly, and to be able to uh, uh, to help. So I think for a, a young uh, managers, it's very important to take the time and learn the language uh, that the board members are are used to used to work with. You know. Even, even the, the simplest things, do you show your plan on a monthly basis or on a quarterly basis or on a, or on a yearly basis? Uh, we are so used to see stuff on a quarterly basis that sometimes when they, if they show it to you on a monthly basis, it takes you a while to grasp the, the trends of what this, uh, every, uh, every number means. Uh, this is, I think... Sorry. Yeah, no, and I think uh, I think that's a great point. I think it's not only um, you know what kind of metrics make sense, but it's also what kind of language. So if it's a more technical, um, you know, an investor with a more technological background that's more interested in in the product and the technology, then you kind of take that conversation. If it's someone who's really only interested in the Excel, then you you know you don't talk about the challenges of uh, of your development, you know, of your um, developers and the product uh, development piece. You go straight to the numbers. So I think investors are also, you know, they want to bring what they have to the table, but they definitely don't want to be put out of their comfort zone and, and try to opine on things that they don't know what to opine on and actually not very useful for the company either. Definitely. I, I think, Liat, based on what you said also, you have to understand what are the strengths of each of your investors and kind of ask them for help in that specific domain of where they can help to kind of manage the, the help that they can give you. I think one of the interesting uh, stats that we found is that 81% of investors said they really want to get specific tasks from their portfolio companies, basically make this in this intro, you know, to this executive. But uh, the majority, 70% of founders said they don't feel comfortable asking for help in that way. So it's really a missed opportunity. You have to understand what are the strengths of your of your board and who can help you with different types of things. And really, after every meeting, after every email, kind of reach out and ask for that help.
Nimrod, I'm and, seeing your eyes popping out of your head. Yeah, well, I want to, you know, I, first of all, I, 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 yeah, I've, been, I've been waiting. I fully agree. Um, sort of like to view the world in terms of what's like the default situation or the ideal situation and what reality warrants. And I, I hope Timor and Liat don't kill me for this, but I, but I, but I want to take a different approach. Up until two years ago, I would have agreed wholeheartedly with everything that was said up until now. I think the company's life cycle was seven to nine years, and people were expected to, to gradually increase in valuation and utilize amounts of money um, in a more sort of gradual manner uh, and grow into it, grow into the CEO position. And then you could totally be disappointed if they missed on using the board members or on terminology, etc. Investors who get paid a lot of money for their jobs um, and invest in hundreds of companies are dumping over the last two years tens of millions of dollars on CEOs who they know and I know and we know have never managed budgets of tens of millions of dollars. All they came with was a hot idea in cyber, a general understanding of the market. And it's a long time ago that we started investing in companies that are already second tier or third tier. The best companies go to the tier one investors. Um, and, uh, and that's where you get also the sort of the roundest founders who are repeat founders and know how to avoid situations. I want to see any tier two fund downwards. Who know they are tier two funds? allocating additional investment amounts at higher valuations for founder growth, for mentorship, for actual business courses. The expectation that founders come into the position of a CEO like the Leonardo da Vinci of managers is, is, is ideal. And it's certainly the case when, you know, when, when you're not you know, sort of pushing uh, the founder to take, I've seen companies take this year alone of a term sheet for an A round and be served and encouraged to close a deal for a growth round four months later. We've seen that many times. Those CEOs, if they don't get like monetary support, I'm not only talking about the investor because Timor is right, the investor has eight board members. I'm talking about a value creation fund outside of the VC, additional cash to invest in this growth. Otherwise, it's not going to come from these people. They're young individuals. I manage consigliere to startup. I don't have an idea always, you know, I can talk about my clients or about certain aspects of the business, but if they don't, you know, literally pay to teach me, it's not going to happen. And then it only, and then the dynamic in the board sort of hinges on the personal relationships. And because I know Timor and I know Liat and I know their experience and their access to companies, I have no doubt that they've had really good correspondences with companies they've invested in. But there's such a long tail of companies that take money from a long tail of investors, from a longer tail of investors, where unfortunately that's not the dynamic. And in those companies, in those companies, in that long tail, I'm putting it solely on the investors. They gave the money. They're cutting the management fee. They need to support the CEOs because they genuinely came up with an idea and um, you know, they're hoping to make it work. And for the company to succeed, all the stars need to align. There's a difference between the cream of the crop and people that are growing into it. That's all I'm saying. But at the end of the day, um, I, I, the CEO is responsible, you know, with all due respect to board members, the CEO is responsible for the success of the company. And of I course. agree with you 
that you know CEOs, especially these days, where you 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 see young CEOs and young uh, uh, companies uh, facing mature uh, funds and and and, and very um, uh, large amounts of of investments. Uh, it is this is at the end of the day business of trust. And the CEOs that wants to succeed needs to find a way to create this trust. And yes, ask for the mentorship or demand the, the, the mentorship. But at the end of the day, I think this is the CEO's job. Well, the, the investors, they need to help, okay? It's their uh, intro, best, best interest, right? But it's at the, at, this is the, the CEO's responsibility to demand this mentorship, to, to find the way to grow very quickly as quickly as the company grows. I'm not I, arguing with that, but 70% of the CEOs don't approach them according to this thing. Yeah. So some people are approachable. Maybe, maybe the people here, I'm approachable, you're approachable. Those who aren't approachable, you know, they're, they spin it. They need to call it and they need to be approachable. And there are ways um, to do that. Uh, I think I, I love that you think that all of the boards that I've been on are like uh, happy, happy. Clearly, that's not been the reality. Plus, through the Zell program, I've been involved through um, some of these younger founders, through a lot of other board dynamics as well. And I still completely agree with Timon. At the end of the day, it's the CEO backed by his co-founders that support him that has to manage the relationship. It's not only about they can be young and inexperienced and still it's a psychology. It's a it's an exercise in psychology more than it is about knowing what the right decisions are. Now, I think that that leap, that jump to being able to use the board members is important. But really, a company that's going to be run by its board is, to me, inherently um, in a challenging situation, like a really, truly challenging situation. Um, and I've, I've seen that as well. I, I don't think, um, I, I think ultimately the CEO needs to, to manage, to make use of the investors. And frankly, investors are investors. They, they, you know, I think they need to know how to raise the money, choose good deals and help them get to exit. I think they overthink themselves if they think that they're going to be so instrumental in actually running the company. If they need to run the company, I think Houston, we have a problem. We are, we're continuing exactly where we left off. Timor, finish off our conversation about board members and serves, but this is just the beginning because I think we're going to have to have many more of these conversations moving forward. Timor, how can startups better standardize communication between the, the startup founders and the executive team with board members that sometimes are sitting on eight different boards and don't have time to constantly be thinking about the startup? So, so, so we are we're we talked about building trust, and since there it's it's a big issue at the beginning, especially these days when when we see young uh, startups raise a lot of money, uh, so they don't start uh, the company with angels, but rather with very professional investors, and they need to find a way uh, to communicate and build this trust uh, in a way that is not too demanding, time demanding from. Uh, the, the CEO, the CEO at the end of the day, need to focus, to be laser focused on growing the business, right? Uh, and we see ridiculous uh, uh, demands coming from investors that didn't build trust, like for weekly calls with the CEOs. Now imagine the CEO needs to do weekly calls one-on-one -on -one with five different board members every week or every month. This is, this is ridiculous and this is hurtful for the company. 
So um, uh, creating some kind of a format for uh, updating them, uh, aligning uh, expectations on what important uh, issues need to be uh, uh, to be reported, and making a scheme, a, a format of, for example, a report with the important factors. Uh, would be very beneficial in, in this uh, stage. And I would strongly, strongly recommend those young CEOs uh, to get help from, uh, from experienced uh, financial managers, either within the company or as a consultant or as a mentor to help building it correctly. And then maintaining it, it gets, gets much easier once you have it uh, in place. I love it. I'll, give a, I'll, I'll just throw out a shout out here. So at Horizon Labs, we are super fortunate to be um, uh, to have DCG Digital Currency Group as an investor. And Barry Silbert is um, is uh, the lead investor there. And he um, and DCG has a format for us to fill in on a, you know, uh, it's, it's actually a quarterly basis and it's super clear and concise and asks for the exact information that they want to get and information that we know how to compile for them. And it makes for really, really easy communication. So I completely agree to more from the founder side. As a founder, I can say it's amazing. I love it. And I really want to thank all of you here for, for joining. This was so much fun. Yael, thank you so much for putting this together. And thank you, Liat, Nimrod, and Timor for joining us and for taking part in this incredible conversation. This is a start of, of many more, and uh, I learned an incredible amount. And uh, and I can't wait to share this with, with all my friends and with everybody in the ecosystem. It's going to be fantastic. And stay safe and stay healthy, everyone. Thank you. You too. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Yael. Thanks, Liat, and Timor. Thank you.